0: You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, The Armchair Guide to Survival.
1: David Borgnick, you're the co-author of the Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. Yes, that's right. And just uh, flipping through it, uh, some of the things that you teach people how to do is to survive uh, if your parachute fails to open uh, how to survive a shark attack like these are the kinds of things that y- you know you think of as like action heroes surviving like like how, how often does this stuff come up?
2: Well apparently you know if you're one of those guys a lot you know you just walk out the door and all of a sudden you're uh, defusing a bomb Right. and of course you don't run into these situations very often in the real world and yet we decided to give people the real answers to these things, and you know, just assume. Well, gosh, you know, everybody should know how to fend off a shark and jump from a moving train.
1: I'm just uh, skipping through, and there's this section here: how to jump uh, from a building into a dumpster. Tuck your head and bring your legs around to do this during the fall. Execute a three-quarter revolution. I, I mean, I would have tr- if I were jumping off a five-story roof into a dumpster. I would probably try to land on my feet like a cat.
2: No, well, you, you talk to anybody about jumping from heights, and you definitely do not want to land on your feet when you're jumping into a dumpster. Obviously, you're assuming it's just trash and, and not full of bricks and glass. So
1: there is a kind of hopefulness when you're when you're jumping into a dumpster. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, uh, assuming that you do want to throw yourself and, and, and land on your back, and uh, it just spreads out and and reduces the impact.
1: Um, and then in the section on wrestling free from an alligator. The second step, you, you tell people to cover the alligator's eyes, and then you say, this will usually make it more sedate, <laughs> which implies that usually. sometimes it doesn't, it makes it kind of
2: crazy. I, you know, and, and this is one of the few truly dangerous situations I've actually experienced firsthand, because i, I spent time with our expert Tim Williams, um, who was running Gatorland in Florida. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, in theory, if you cover the animal's eyes, it does tend to calm down. You can also hold the mouth closed a lot more easily than you can pry it open, because the muscles it has to open the mouth are much weaker than the ones it uses to close the mouth.
1: And and do you know whether your book actually managed to save any lives?
2: We know it as much as we have uh, received emails and letters from people over the years claiming that that is the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did, in fact, hear from a woman in california who claimed that as a result of having read the book she did escape from the mountain lion
1: and and how do you explain how to do that in the book
2: you're not supposed to run that's when they start to think of it's a game hmm. you're actually supposed to stand your ground and try to make yourself appear larger
1: and that's what she did
2: and that's what she did and the mountain lion left her alone
1: does that give you a feeling of well-being
2: well it, it does i mean you know it does pleased me to think that, yeah, we might have helped some people out of some tricky situations, and is part of what inspired me to write these books that are kind of the ultimate survival guides to anything life might throw at you.
3: Dearest John, well, here I am on the bus after three solid weeks of survival camp. I know you didn't really approve of all this, John. But trust me, when the apocalypse goes down, I'm going to be laughing my head off. And you'll be laughing too. Safe under my wing, mister. Ah, I can't wait to get out into the wild. Running around shirtless, a fanny pack full of flares, throwing stars, nuts and raisins. End of the world, here I come. As I look around the bus, I see the anticipation and excitement in the faces of my fellow survival warriors. Our squadron leader is a kind, anvil-shaped man named Mr. Eisenberg. In his non-surviving life... He's a driving instructor, but in the wilds, he's our lifeline. Mr. Eisenberg has a handlebar mustache that feels all twisty like a little pig's tail. And whenever I pull it, he threatens to cut my hand off with his hunting knife. It's our thing. Don't you just love those irascible, crusty military types with their churlish, mustachioed ways? I know that underneath all that stabby sternness lies the heart of a little baby wolf. (laughs) I'm making so many friends too, which is fortunate as I ate all five sandwich baggies of fruit roll-ups before we even hit the highway, and I'll be looking for friendly handouts. Thankfully, I still have my coil of dried kielbasa sausage around my neck, which I keep discreetly tucked under my shirt. John, next time we see each other, I'll be able to teach you how to sharpen a small game spear, make a fire using a pop can, and fashion a fishing net out of discarded pantyhose, just like the brochure said. I shall be worth ten men and an ox to your half a little girl and a Persian kitty. Ha ha. Just kidding, old friend. But you will be dead in the reckoning without me. Seriously. You're a pal. How? P.S. Thanks for looking in on my apartment while I'm gone. I owe you a solid. P.P.S. Tell Desmond to be a good little doggy and give him a big old kiss from Papa. To Howard Chakowitz,
1: care of Dépaneur Normand, St. Sauveur. Dear Howard, I went by your apartment after work today to walk Desmond, though in truth, because he refused to budge once he'd finished his business, I spent most of the walk carrying him around while he bit my face and neck. I also watered your plants, though I can't imagine why you felt this necessary, as one of them appears to be many years dead and the other made of tinsel. As well, the watering can, which I found on your nightstand, is filled with purple Kool-Aid. You also should know that when I showed up, there was a pile of restaurant takeout bags at your door. They looked as though they'd been accumulating for days. So I called the number on the bills and was told you've a standing order with Nick the delivery guy to have pizza, french fries, and souvlaki brought to your home each day. Quote, "'Come hell or high water.'" I told Nick who I was and informed him that you'd be out of town for the next several weeks, so could he please stop the delivery? But Nick remained stern, telling me, Rules is rules, man. At the end of our conversation, he softened, though, saying it was nice to finally put a voice to the name on the credit card. We'll have to talk about that when you get back, Howard. Anyway, I'm glad to hear you're having fun camp is an important part of a person's life, a chance to spread one's wings and feel the first blooming of independence, be he a seven-year-old sleeping away from home for the first time, or a 40-year-old man who, as I've just learned and regrettably cannot unlearn, still sleeps in Rocket Robin Hood bed linen. Sincerely, Jonathan.
3: John. I'm too busy surviving to take serious your jabs. Surviving, John. You ought to try it sometime. And no, I'm not talking about going a whole day without eau de toilette and artisanal vinegars, Nancy Drew. I'm talking about survival. Man stuff. Ever whittled your own walking staff and or after-meal toothpick? What did you eat for dinner tonight, John? Pink popcorn and daffodils? I had pork rinds cooked over a portable gas stove. What did you have for dessert? Crème brûlée? Truffles? You know what I had? A wrestling match in the dirt, surrounded by cheering, bloodthirsty men. The smell of our good, clean soldier sweats sweetly stinking up the knife. After horseplay, knife sharpening, twirling, and arm wrestling, trust me, that perspiration is like the cardiotorizer of the soul. Mr. Eisenberg tells me I'm a natural-born survivor, and he allowed me the privilege of scraping the muck off his boots with a popsicle stick before bedtime. I told him and the rest of the boys all about you, about the time you accidentally ate tainted caviar, and I had to sling you over my shoulder and hike along a country highway for several miles while you kicked, shrieked girlishly, and bit until I got you to an emergency room. I know the story isn't technically true, John, but it gets at a deeper, more abstract truth, namely that you are a girly little fancy lad, and I am like a lumberjack, fireman, and astronaut all rolled into one. And most importantly, the story allowed me and my new friends a chance to laugh a good, hearty, masculine laugh under the stars. Well, that's all for now. I'm off to find a mailbox to send this forth from the wild. The closest one is at the far end of the Depanneur-Normand parking lot. It's a good ten-minute hike from where we've set up camp in the fields, and I want to be back before our campfire sing along. A bientôt, chum. Until next time, Howard. a man.
1: Howard, I can now see how survival camp would be a necessity. I think one would need it to best survive in your apartment. In the 15 minutes I spent there this afternoon, checking up on the place, I've aggravated my dust allergies and may have given myself tetanus stepping on a rusty sardine can on the floor of your bathroom. And by the way, while in your bathroom, in your pile of washroom literature, I found several of my childhood diaries. They were waterlogged and had passages underlined in what appeared to be either blood or ketchup. Needless to say, I will be taking back my emergency house key from you upon the moment of your return. Anyway, before leaving, I discovered you'd left your TV on, not to mention your blender, hairdryer, curling iron, and model train set. You also left on your Xbox, but before turning it off, I noticed one of your video game cartridges on the coffee table was video curling, Being somewhat of a curling enthusiast, I was curious, and I must confess I spent a very enjoyable two hours playing it. During that time, I felt like I hadn't a care in the world. And as it was nearing the supper hour, before leaving, I helped myself to the top bag of souvlaki on your doorstep pile. The lamb one was delicious, and the pork, extremely flavorful. Hope all's well, Howe. Jonathan.
3: P.S. Desmond says hi. John, while you're in Montreal enjoying my sweet stick meats, something awful has happened. It seems my squadron has turned on me. I awoke this morning to find the entire campsite had been packed up. Nothing but a burnt campfire and a Three Musketeers candy wrapper blowing through the brush. It makes no sense. The night before, I was entertaining the boys with my Nipsey Russell imitation and springing surprise tickle attacks on Mr. Eisenberg in his tent. No one said a thing, John. And now I've only got $40 in traveler's checks and half a kielbasa left. Such betrayal. Now I know how Jesus felt. I'm scared, John. Is this some kind of test? The only thing keeping me from breaking down entirely is the hope that maybe they're all hiding in the trees, getting ready to leap down and yell, Surprise! I've been sitting on the same tree stump for over six hours, trying to look like I'm in a state of cat-like readiness. and No surprise, John. No Surprise! He's way back soon. I don't know where I am. I can see a Starbucks through the bramble, but those are everywhere. Lord, have mercy on my soul. Oh, what I wouldn't give to be eating a Suvalaki drenched in tzatziki and onions wrapped in a toothsome pita while darling little Desmond nips at my neck with his sweet little fangs. Remember me well, Howard. Dear Howard,
1: Yeah, that's, a. Uh... That's really great. See? And you were so worried before you left that you wouldn't make new friends. I'm having a really good time, too. You know, I never actually thought I'd say it, but your apartment is actually quite the comforting environment. Desmond has begun behaving like a little prince. I see now that keeping him stuffed with food was the secret to peaceful relations between us. I guess I've been spending quite a bit of time here. I found a whole slew of video games in the couch cushions, not just for the Xbox, but for your PlayStation, too. There's this one, Tale of the Sun, where you're just a caveman running around eating, sleeping, and discovering stuff. It's really pretty zen. Everything has worked itself out with the takeout, too. Nick the delivery guy is really quite affable. I can now see what you see in him. One sunny afternoon, after bringing me more food than any human can possibly manage to eat alone, he joined me for lunch and video game boxing. I played Muhammad Ali, and he, Evander Holyfield... I don't think I've ever had so much fun in my entire life. Well, I should really get back to work now. I have so much writing to do. But before I get started, I'm going to make a quick sandwich, watch an episode or two of Sanford and Son, and take a cat nap on the sofa. The brains need rest. Ah, sweet paradiso. John.
3: jonathan it's all dark now inside my head those demons with their white white eyes hiding in the trees i'm still with one eye on the hunt the other on the enemy i don't sleep i am a worm squirming on the edge of a blade my heart beating like a tom-tom drum eager to survive until tomorrow i have relocated my base now my home is here on the concrete in spot h4 next to the shopping carts I have fabricated a lean-to from torn Dr. Pepper billboards, and my bedding is of half-empty microwave popping corn bags. I have lost all sense of shame, but I steadfastly refuse the coins and bills shoppers throw my way. No thank you, I say, and turn away, back to my thoughts. I will survive on my own terms, not from charity. I must go now. The Wheel of Fortune is on at the laundromat next door, and my descent into madness is tempered by the satisfaction of solving word puzzles. Plus the laundromat vending machine cell sandwiches. H.
1: Hey, how? How are you, my friend? Can't write for long. I'm finishing off the Desert of Lost Souls stage in God of War, perhaps the greatest video game, nay, the greatest anything of all time. I'm searching for red orbs, but having a hard time killing off the sirens and minotaurs. Perhaps if I go into Rage of the Gods mode, I'll have more success. I could sure use your guidance here, pal of mine. Oh, and by the way, you got a call from the fish market, and I took the liberty of ordering more smoked whitefish for the month. That's a good fish, whitefish. It's a fish that satisfies, especially with some Russian black bread and cottage cheese. I gave it a name, an angry Rasputin. Nick says he can get a hold of an old sandwich truck and we might try making a little extra moolah, selling them at construction sites. Hang on, I've just made myself hungry again. I'll be right back. Anyway, I hope all is good. I started reading your last note, but I'm afraid what with the gaming and food ordering and all, I never got around to finishing it. I've been having some ideas recently about creating a spa resort based on this lifestyle. I'm seeing more dollar signs, but then again, I've been staring into the TV monitor for five hours straight, so it might just be the video game explosions burned onto my retina. Your bosom buddy, John Boy. P.S. I think there's been a little flooding under your sink. Haven't had a chance to call a plumber. For now, just threw down some of your comic books to blot up the water.
3: Hey, John. Ah, who am I kidding? I may be a survivor, but I'm no survivalist. I figure, if the end of the world comes, I don't want to fight to live. I think I'd prefer the more relaxing, laissez-faire approach, and go out lounging, watching the fighting in the streets below while plopped into a discarded bark lounger on the roof of my home. Anyway, thank God I had the horse sense to pack your diner's club card along with my survival gear. As you can see by the stationery, I'm writing this while neck-deep in room service at the Motel 6 just off Route 16. Deep-fried cheese sticks, Caesar salad, chicken wings, and pay TV going full blast. Who wants to merely survive when you can live? So now don't you worry your pretty little head, John. Howie's coming home. Howard.
1: I feel like I've just risen from a narcotic coma of video games and lunch meats. Today was a nightmare. I awoke at 2 p.m. on your couch, a slice of Kraft cheese stuck to my face, and realized that I had missed a crucial 9 a.m. meeting with the CBC board of directors about renewing my show for the next season. I ran into the office with an elaborate excuse planned, but it all fell apart when a slice of Hungarian salami fell out of... I don't even know where it fell out of... That's it, Hal. I'm moving back to my place. Yesterday, the whole day was spent watching Star Trek and video cassettes of old PBS children's shows. Desmond draped across my lap, eating from the same giant bowl of popcorn from which I myself ate. I caught sight of myself in the reflection of your toaster while making cookies and cream Pop-Tarts, and I was so shocked I literally gasped. I've gained at least 15 pounds, all apparently around the neck and jowls. I'm getting back to my real life, Howe. Just after this last round of Mortal Kombat. I'll probably just polish off this last bit of Donor and Onions to keep my energy up. Then maybe I'll finish that episode of Love Boat with Jimmy Walker and Charo that I started. But then, no fooling around. It's back to the old ways. But that is tomorrow, Howe. Tomorrow. And tonight, there is still the fight. Sincerely,
3: Jonathan.
4: Josh? Yes.
1: What What's up? I haven't heard from you in a while.
4: Hi, Jonathan. Sup?
1: What's, what's up with you? I was... What, what you. What, what have you been up to? Kicking it. You? you yeah. Um, you, you sound sort of clipped in your answers.
4: Keeping it tight. Any particular reason? Want to keep it rolled up, pure, clean, consistent. That's how I run my business.
1: Damn. What was that?
4: Damn, I went over 140 characters.
1: What, what are you talking about?
4: I'm on the Twitter. My social survival depends on it.
1: You're on the what?
4: Have you ever heard of the worldwide internet? Yes. Right. On the worldwide internet, sometimes people come up with some great ideas, and other people follow those ideas. But mm. so somebody came up with this thing called Twitter, right? So it's basically... I've heard of Twitter. Oh, oh you've heard of it? So then what is it? You've heard of it, after all.
1: It's, it's um...
4: What is it like the Facebook? Or is it like the MySpace?
1: Look, I know that the, the, all kinds of celebrities are on it. Uh, all kinds
4: of celebrities are on cocaine, too. Does that mean you know what cocaine is? Look, look John, I'm, I'm gonna, let's cut to the chase. You're, you're, you're ignorant, okay? Let me, let me enlighten I, you. Twitter is this social network thing where you limit yourself to 140 characters in what you say, and what you type. These little message bursts. They're like modern haikus, okay? Mm-hmm. Does that keep it clear?
1: It, it, yes, it does, but what it doesn't make clear is why you're talking to me in 140-character bursts. It's
4: all about discipline, right? I know that you're, you're a pretty undisciplined guy. If you want a Twinkie, you have a Twinkie. You want to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom. But for me, it's all about keeping it tight. I want to constrict myself in talking to 140 characters.
1: And clearly you're not adhering to that right now.
4: You're not encouraging my discipline. Mm. Okay, go to twitter.com go okay you there yeah oh, you're fast typist you see, you'd see, you be good on the twitter all right you see what, what does it say there what does it, what does it say
1: it says uh what are you doing
4: right what are you doing pretty broad question right well it's
1: sort of a personal question
4: right it is a personal question i know how you hate to share your personality with millions um so maybe it's not good for you but for me i i find it a kind of an existential challenge what are you doing
1: I don't understand why anyone would be interested in, no offense, I mean, you're my friend, I care about what you're doing, but to an extent, I mean, why would anyone want to know? What, what are you doing? Are you listening? I'm on the Twitter. Right now? You got it. What, what, are, what are you writing?
4: Jay Goldstein dumping on the Twitter. What an old boob. Old, period, boob, period. Mm-hmm. I put those periods in, right? It was extra characters. It takes up extra space, and I thought maybe I shouldn't because it makes it too long. It was a judgment call, but I decided to put it in for emphasis.
1: Hey, I don't know that I like you, uh, you know, quoting me.
4: Come on, man. I keep it anonymous, right? Sometimes it's Jay Goldstein. Sometimes it's Jonathan Goldsteinman. Sometimes I call you the wiretap jackass. Mm-hmm. It, it drives traffic to my tweets. Tweets? Mm-hmm. My lovely lady tweets.
1: When Twitter's tweets,
4: is that it? When Twitters tweet, isn't that a Judy Bloom book? What, what, you know, yes, yeah, old guy. Tweets. That's, it's just an individual Twitter is a tweet.
1: One Twitters, one's tweets. I mean, it, 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 it sounds so vulgar, you know, and, and so childish. What do you do all day now? You, you sit at home and you make your tweets.
4: No, no, I don't just sit at home all day. I, I'm out right now, promenading about, strolling, rolling. I'm on my laptop, man.
1: You're walking down the street with a laptop.
4: Yeah, I have a, a special harness. Like one of those drum majors in the marching bands, just so it holds my laptop in front of me. I know I should probably get one of those uh, Blackberry things. I yeah,
1: because I, I can't imagine this being very good for your spine. Look at
4: all these people out here, sunshine and stuff. I'm looking around, man. There's people, there's sunshine. Hold on.
1: What are you writing?
4: What's up, y'all? Sun is shining.
1: That's a tweet.
4: Keeping it real. Why, why
1: does anyone need to hear you tell them that the sun is shining?
4: Well, because how would they know?
1: Well, they go outside.
4: Well, what if they're in a yurt? My, I have a lot of followers, John. They need to know that the sun is shining, and I need to tell them. I think your mom follows my Twitters.
1: She, she is she not. Twitters? My mother is not on Twitter.
4: Dude, she Twitters, man. She gave a real-time breakdown about how to cook a brisket. I thought it was awesome.
1: What did you just write? loving the dogs y'all yeah josh i mean you you what you like you're getting obsessed you're going to log your life minute by what what are you writing now
4: trying to stay positive y'all
1: what is what is positive about this
4: you you're hating
1: i'm not hating i'm i'm just i'm i'm pointing out some some facts about your life Twitter right is now It's very
4: very positive for me it's where i get out all my positive energy here look
1: Okay, and, and so what did you just write?
4: I hate Jonathan Goldstein.
1: Y'all. What, what is positive about that?
4: That's, about? that's hateful. I mean, in the old days, I would have just said that to your face. Sure, I could call you up on the telephone anytime and tell you that I hate your guts and that you're dragging me down. But why would I do that when I can share it with millions of people behind your back and you don't even have to know? It's very healthy.
1: How many times do you, do you Twitter a day?
4: I don't know. Uh, just five times a minute. I don't know, maybe... 700 times? Josh. What?
1: You think that's normal?
4: It's the new normal. Uh, the only other, You know what? The only other person who even agrees with you, of course, is Susie, right? Hates the Twitter. Hates it. The other day at the funeral, she was saying, don't Twitter. Wait, and I'm, I, I just, I don't
1: understand. Wait, 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 wait a second. You, you, you Twittered at a funeral?
4: Yeah, whatever. It wasn't anybody important. It's just one of her coworkers. She didn't even like her. I was just, you know, I was just letting people know what's going on. You think Twitter takes me out of the moment, John? That's your problem. Twitter keeps me in the moment, okay? Twitter is my zen condiment. That's a zen condiment. I'm going to write that down. Hey, man, what? Damn it, it's not working. Ah, man, the signal's down. Ah, that's so frustrating because that would make such a perfect tweet, man. Which would be? Signal's down, y'all.
0: On Wiretap today, you heard David Borgenicht, co author of the Worst Case Scenario Handbook series, available online at quirkbooks.com. You also heard Howard Chakowitz and Joshua Carpatti. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Mira Bertwintonik and Carolyn Warren. Production assistance from Crystal Duhane. Today's episode was co written by Howard Chakowitz. Tune into Wiretap Sunday at 1, 4 Pacific Time. Wednesday evening at 1130. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap where you can download the latest Wiretap ringtone. Surprise! Celebrate a surprise party for one with every ring of your phone.